Take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs chapter 2. I want to speak to you this morning about the desires of a godly father. The desires of a godly father. Proverbs chapter 2, following your Bibles as we read. My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thy heart to understanding, yea, if thou criest after knowledge and liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as for hid treasure, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord giveth wisdom out of his mouth, cometh knowledge and understanding. He layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. He is a buckler to them that walk uprightly. He keepeth the path of judgment and preserveth the way of his saints. Then shalt thou understand righteousness and judgment and equity, yea, every good path. When wisdom entereth into thine heart and knowledge is pleasant unto thy soul. Discretion shall preserve thee, understanding shall keep thee. To, the, to deliver thee from the way of the evil man and from the man that speaketh froward things, who leave the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice to do evil and delight in the, in the frowardness of the wicked, whose ways are crooked and they froward in their paths, the, to deliver thee from the strange woman, even from the stranger which flattereth with her words, which forsaketh the guide of her youth and forgetteth the covenant of her God. For her house inclineth unto de- death, and her paths unto the dead. None that go in unto her return again, neither take they hold of the paths of life. That thou mayest walk in the way of good men, and keep the paths of the righteous. For the upright shall dwell in the land, and the perfect shall remain in it. But the wicked shall be cut off from the earth, and the transgressors shall be rooted out of it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for this special day a day when we honor fathers. And I thank you, Lord, for the memory that many of us have of our dads who have now passed. Thank you for their contributions in our lives. And we thank you, Lord, for the fathers here who have responsibilities still of being a dad on this earth. And I pray that you might remind all of us, Lord, that we need to have certain desires if we're going to be the dad that you would want us to be. And so I pray that you help us today as we deal with these things. May it be a blessing to each one, and I pray that when, where we and as dads need to be uh, rebuked, that you will rebuke us. Where we, ne- we need to be encouraged, that you would encourage us. And Lord, when we need to be taught some things, that you would help us to be open to that teaching. Thank you for loving us. I pray for enablement to give the message, and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Today is Father's Day, and we are honoring fathers. But all of us fathers need to ask ourselves if we are honorable. Do we really deserve the honor that comes our way on this special day? One way to be sure that you are an honorable father is to be a godly father. A godly father wants to please God and above all others. A godly father seeks God's help and direction and always gives God the glory for his accomplishments. A godly father delights in knowing God and following God. Psalm 37 verse 4 says this, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Yes, a godly father will have desires that please the Lord, because if he delights in the Lord, the Lord will give him the desires that he needs to have. 
And so a godly father will desire the right things, and therefore God can give him the desires of his heart. Uh, Let's look this morning at some things that godly fathers should desire. I want to mention seven things this morning that a godly father should desire. I'm sure there are others, but I think these encompass uh, many of the things that a godly father would desire. First of all, we all know that after a storm, we all like the sunshine. I found out this morning that Brother Ed, is, uh, their family's still without electricity. That's been, what, over 24 hours now? And uh, so uh, when a storm comes, you know, when it was really dark the other night, it's always refreshing to see the sun come out. <laughs> and if it gets dark during the day, you know, it's good to see that. If it was dark like the other night, it's so good the next morning to find out it's, it's not cloud cover, but there's sunshine. It was good this morning waking up to see the sunshine. Well, the first thing I think we can mention today that a, that a father should desire is sunshine for his wife. Sunshine for his wife. You see, the fall of man brought sorrow to the woman. I know the woman is the one who sinned first, but, but man didn't really fall until the man sinned. And so man sinned, and the Bible says because of their sin, it says in sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, speaking to the woman. And it says this, and the desi- thy desire shall be to thy husband. In sorrow you'll bring forth children, and your desire to, shall be to thy husband. Childbearing is painful, and God has decreed that the woman, after going through that childbearing, will need her husband, will desire her husband. And the Lord says that sin brought cloudiness to the life of that couple. And so God wants the man to help the woman because the man brought her actually into the problem she's in, and that's the sin problem. The husband should bring sunshine to his wife. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7 says, Giving honor unto the wife as the weaker vessel, being heirs together of the grace of life. It's the man's responsibility to bring sunshine to his wife. All of us have failed in that way. All fathers have failed, I'm sure. But it's still our responsibility to bring some sunshine to our wives. I've known, and I'm sure you know, of fathers who've done just the opposite. Many husbands disdain their wives. They discourage their wives they defeat their wives, and in the end, they destroy their wives. And many a wife whose, whose life is all messed up goes back to the husband that did not bring any sunshine into her life. When they should bring sunshine, they bring storm clouds, and that's never desirable, and it's always a rebuke to the, the father who does that. But the godly father will desire sunshine for his wife. This has a lot to do with being a dad, you know. Because if you bring sunshine to your wife, then the Bible says that you're going to, I believe the Bible will support this, that you're going to help your son know how to treat his wife. And so your son is going to grow up someday to be a father, and the way he treats his, his wife will not be dependent on the way you treated your wife. And so you need to bring sunshine to your wife. Your daughter will also look for a man who's like her dad if her dad brought sunshine to, his, to her mother's life, and the, son, the daughter will look for a man who's like her dad in that way. Your grandchildren will benefit from both, your treatment of, of your children and bringing sunshine to your wife and your daughters and your son will both be blessed by that, and your grandchildren will receive the blessing from it. So it's important for a father to desire, I mean want it to happen, want to bring sunshine to his wife's life. 
And so that's our responsibility, is to bring some sunshine to her life. Another thing is this, the desire of a godly father should be to have salvation for his children. To have salvation for his children. Matthew chapter 19, verse 14, we covered that passage, not that we looked at Mark, but last week when it was Children's Day, and we referred to Matthew as well. And it says, Suffer little children and forbid them not to come unto me. And woe be to the dad who forbids his child to come to Jesus. You know, there's a lot of dads like that. There's a lot of dads when you invite a child to, to Sunday school or to church. The dads don't want them to come. The dads don't want them to be in church. And I think sometimes the reason for that is they don't want them to find out the way things are really supposed to be because if, it is, if they find it out, they'll realize their dad's not what they're supposed to be. And so we need to have the desire that our children come to know the Lord as Savior. That means a father should share the gospel with his children. It's good that they hear it from church. It's good for that. But also they need to hear it from dad. As I said last week, you know, children should have be able to uh, remember their father or their mother telling them about Jesus and also telling them how they came to know the Lord. I, I believe it's essential that they know that it's real. It's a, good, it's a great experience. And that my dad told me when he got saved. I still remember my dad telling me when he got saved. He said, Earl, he said, I got saved out in the woods sitting on a, tr- on a stump. <laughs> and I said, is that right? And he said, yes. He was under conviction and finally, he just broke down and sitting out in the woods, sitting on a stump, he trusted Jesus as his Savior. I'll never forget that. And my kids all know my testimony and know how I came to know the Lord because they would, of course, they would know it probably more than most because they've heard it from the pulpit over and over and over again. And uh, they were a captive audience, you might say. But your children need to know about salvation, and it's the, it should be the desire of the, of the parent the desire of the father for their children to be saved. That means you take them to church. You don't send them to church. You make sure that they're, they're there in the house of the Lord because you thought that important. You develop an atmosphere at home where the seed of the gospel that they heard from you and they heard in the church will be able to grow. Some kids, you know, they come, bring with, they come with their parents to church and the parents put on this religious facade and they think they're real, they act as if they're really spiritual. Well, the kids know what they really are when they get home. So the gospel they heard, they heard the seed that was planted is just destroyed when they get home because it, there's nothing there to cultivate that seed. And so it's a terrible thing when that happens. But a father, a godly father, should have the desire that his children come to know Jesus as their Savior, desire, desire salvation for their children. And then another thing that a godly father should desire is sanctification for his children. Now, that's a big word. It's a Bible word, but I think you understand it. Uh, you should understand it. I've explained it many times, but if you don't, let me just tell you what sanctification means. Sanctification means set apart. God sets you apart. There's three aspects of sanctification. There's past sanctification, present sanctification, and future sanctification. Now, that's real deep, isn't it? Past, present, future. We all know those concepts, but sanctification has a past present. Now, if you're saved, you, say, I, you can say, I've been sanctified. I've heard people say, you know, they're of a different persuasion, and they'll say, I was sanctified holy. Well, that, what they mean by that is they don't sin any longer. The problem is I've never met anybody like that. I've met some that claim to be that way, but I've never met anybody like that. 
You know, sanctified has three tenses. And if you're saved, you can say, I was sanctified. What does that mean? Well, when you got saved, the Lord set you apart into himself. It's like you were over in this mass of humanity and God went over and took a hold of you and he brought you over here and he took you out of that mass of humanity and made you his child. You were the devil's child, now you belong to Jesus because you trusted Jesus. He saved you by your grace, so you have been set apart unto God. And if you're saved, you've had that experience of past sanctification. Present sanctification is when God works on you and he's dealing with you, he's working with you, like the little song says, uh, God's not through, with, or how's it go? Uh, he's still working on me, yeah, and, and to make me what I ought to be. That's present sanctification. God's dealing with you. It's like if God took a big stone out of a mountain and set you apart and said, this stone or this person belongs to me, and now if it was a stone, the, the sculptor would take and start knocking off rough edges and making to be what he wants it to be. Well, that's what God does to us. He saves us, he sets us apart into himself, and then he begins to develop in us his character and make us more like him. And so he chips away at us, that's present sanctification. Future sanctification is when God sets us apart away from this world unto himself into heaven. And so he takes us for himself, he works on us to make us what he wants us to be, and then he takes us home to be with him. Now, a father should desire for his children their sanctification. Of course, that's salvation. We've already mentioned that. But what I'm talking about here is their present sanctification. And that is their setting apart. And that they should be set apart unto God. That, that um, involves the word of God. The Bible says it like this. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. God wants us to be sanctified through the Word of God. That's, important. That's why it's important for the Word of God to be preached. In a climate such as we live in, it's important for children to know what the Word of God says. I mean, they're confused today. There's all kinds of things being taught them today. They're taught that abortion is right. They're taught that there's more than one gender. They're taught that, the, that sex outside of marriage is okay. They're taught that, that it's all right for two women to be married and two men to be married. They're taught all these wrong things. They're taught that white people are, are in a different class than other, other people and uh, this critical race theory and all, all of this is taught to them and we need to have that confronted. How can you confront it? You confront it with the word of God and the word of God is preached in the pulpit. It should be preached at home and you should tell them, thus saith the Lord. As I was commenting to, to Brother Barney this morning, we were talking about the weather and yesterday it said it was supposed to rain. I looked at my phone, it was supposed to rain at 9 o'clock and much through the night. Well, it didn't rain. And Barney said he found the same thing, and then a little bit later he got a report that it wasn't raining. I said, isn't this significant that they can tell, they try to tell us what's going to happen tomorrow, and they get it wrong, and yet they think they can tell us what happened 14 billion years ago. I mean, total foolishness. And the world's not that old anyway. And so, but anyway, that's, that's what we're facing today. The world who thinks they know everything, but they don't. How are we going to confront it? We confront it with the word of God. You're in the book of Proverbs. Look at Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20. My son, attend to my words. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. Keep them, uh, let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. For they are life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh. Keep thy heart with all, out, with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. 
put away from thee the froward mouth, and perverse lips put far from thee. Let thine eyelids look thine eyes look right on, and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet, and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand or to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. Well, where are you going to find what's evil and what's good? You find it in the Word of God. And so children are sanctified. They're set apart by the Word of God. When they hear the Word of God, they must know what the Word of God says. Proverbs chapter 3 says this, in, uh, My son, forget not my law, let my, and let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Let, them mer- let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. So th- sure shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and men. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. You know, all of this good will come if you'll follow God. How are you going to know how to follow God? Do you go out in the woods and just hope that some way God will speak to you? No. God speaks to us from his word, and he tells us what's right and what's wrong, and the way your children will be set apart unto God is through the word of God. They must know the word of God. Also, the word of God given, and then the Bible speaks of discipline. We mentioned it last week. We'll not get into that but the Lord says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he'll not depart from it. Proverbs 22, verse 6. And so, the word of God and discipline will help them to be separated unto God and to learn the ways of God. And then there's another part of that present sanctification, and that is not only set apart unto God, but set apart away from the world. Away from the world. God has a lot to say about that. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Our young people, our children, need to know what God's will is, and they need to know what the world is. And the only way they're going to know that is to understand what the Bible says about that. And the Lord says, do not be conformed to the world. And so we need to desire the separation of our children from the world. In Proverbs chapter 2, we looked at it a while ago. But verse 12, it says, discretion shall preserve thee, understanding shall keep thee. That's verse 11, verse 12. To deliver thee from the ways of the evil man and from the man that speaketh froward things. Our children need to know that out there in the world, there are men and women, and there are evil men and there are evil women. And it's interesting, this passage speaks about that. In verse 12, he says, evil men. In verse 16, he says, to deliver thee from the strange woman. That's the adulterous woman who, go, who come to get our young men. And we need to understand that, and, and, and fathers need to instruct their children, look, the world out there is an enemy of God. Don't let the world conform you to its mold. And in the world, you must beware of evil men, and you must beware of strange women who lead you astray, and you must follow the Lord. The Lord says, separate yourselves from the world. James chapter 4 says, The friendship of this world is enmity with God. Whosoever, therefore, shall be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. We need to understand that. Today, I believe in many... Christian circles, there's a breaking down of that division. 
And we need to understand that it's important, not that we'd be weird, not that we'd be strange, not that we'd be that, but that we'd be, that we'd be right. And if you're right, the world is going to consider you sort of weird. But you need to be right. And God says, don't be friends of the world. Friendship of the world is enmity against God. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 says, Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. We as fathers need to teach our children, look, the world there is not a friend of God. And we need to be separate from it in our practice and the ways we live. We, don't need, we need not be like the world. We don't want to be like the world. And so a godly father will desire separation of his children from the world. Unto God and away from the world, separation of his kids. That just means that a godly dad will want his kids to be different. I mean, in a world like this, is it too much to say that Christians should be different? Christians should have certain class. Christians should have a certain way they live. Christians should have standards that the world doesn't have. And it sets us apart because we're a child of God in the midst of a lot of children of the devil. And we should look different. We should act different because we're children of God. A godly father will want his child to look like a Christian, act like a Christian, talk like a Christian, walk like a Christian. He'll want his child to be separated unto the Lord. And then there's another thing. A godly father will desire the service of his children. You know, I remember years ago, I was pastoring in West Virginia, and I kept running into this down there. And that is, parents would come, to, they would talk to me, maybe I'd be visiting or something, and they'd talk to me, and they'd tell me about their son or their daughter. And they would say something like, like this, my son doesn't drink, and he doesn't smoke, and he doesn't curse, and I'm so glad I've been successful. That just rang hollow to me because, friend, if that's all it is, we failed. If that's all we can say, if all we can say is our kids haven't done this, haven't done that. Now, I imagine all of us know if you looked at your kids close enough, you find out that they all have problems. And you know why they have problems? They're like you. <laughs> They're like you. And you've had problems too. And uh, so our kids are going to have problems. But God wants us to be a godly, godly, godly parent so that our desire is more than this, that our kids don't do certain things. Our desire should be that our kids serve Jesus. They serve the Lord. They have an opportunity to serve the Lord and they take that. And they want to do it because they love Jesus. They want to serve the Lord. And our desire as a godly father should be that our children serve. We will instruct them to serve. In Proverbs 3, look at verse 27, verse 28. It says, Withhold not good from them to whom it is due thee, to whom it is due, when it is in the power of thine hand to do it. Say not unto thy neighbor, go and come again, and tomorrow I will give thee when thou, when thou hast it by thee. In other words, your neighbor needs something. You have it. You could meet his need, but you don't. You say, well, maybe tomorrow, you know, come back. Maybe I can help or something. No, it's saying uh, be, service, be, be a servant and be helping people. The Lord says the same thing in James chapter 2. God wants us to be servants. Psalm 100 verse 2 says, serve the Lord with gladness. 
Proverbs 3, verse 9, Honor the Lord with all thy substance. Matthew 6, verse 24, No man can serve two masters. Our children should be, look at us, be able to look at us and say, My dad is a servant of Jesus. He doesn't have to be the pastor. He doesn't have to be a Sunday school teacher. He just knows Jesus, and his children know that he serves the Lord. They know that he's at church. They know that when there's a project needs to be taken care of, that he pitches in to help. They know that he volunteers to help on certain occasions. They know that in his life, he helps people. He's a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, and they need to see that in us. We need to be the example to them that they should have. Joshua 24, verse 14, remember what Joshua said? He said, I don't know about the rest of you, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He didn't say, I don't know about the rest of you, but as for me and our house, we won't do drugs. That's good, but that's not what he said. He says, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. We don't just say no, we'll say yes to serving the Lord. We're examples as fathers. We should be to our children. He will honor others who serve the Lord as well. You know, it's sometimes sad to see a father who's known in the church to be a Christian has a pretty good testimony in the world, but his children at home hear him cut down preachers and the deacons and the Sunday school teachers, and they hear him cut down God's servants. It's not good. And we need to be careful about that, that we don't cut down the servants of God when we're trying to get our children to be servants of God. And so we need to make sure that they know that we love the Lord, we serve the Lord, and we want them to be a servant as well. Another thing that a godly father desires is the satisfaction of his children. I know some people think that, you know, a Christian parent is just wanting to out to make their kid's life miserable and tell them all they cannot do. God doesn't want us to be that way. God wants us to be fathers who want their children to be satisfied in life. Satisfied, happy. A godly father desires that his children be happy and be satisfied. Show them by precept what you teach and also by example that happiness is to know and to serve the Lord. It should be a happy thing to serve the Lord. It should be something we enjoy to serve the, the Lord. And sometimes I think we send wrong messages because of our attitude. And as I've told you before, that time that I'll never forget, that lady approached me in the Christian bookstore and she said, are you happy in the Lord? And I said, yes. And she said, why don't you tell your face about it? That was a rebuke. <laughs> that was a rebuke. I never knew that lady, never saw her before, never saw her since. Never seen her since. But sometimes, you know, we're busy and doing things, but we don't look very happy. And we just need to consciously work on that so that our children look, need to know, hey, it's enjoyable to serve the Lord. Now, this next week, we have several of our adults who are going to happen, help in Bible school. And one thing I can say for them, when we get together to do things like this, they're happy. <laughs> I mean, they have a good time at it. They enjoy it. And, you know, I believe that kids are looking. Kids are watching. Josh and I went out Saturday, and we were inviting the kids in the community to come. 
And we had several kids say they were interested in coming. And so uh, he's going to run the van t- uh, uh, tomorrow evening down in Morrow. We're hopefully going to pick up some kids down there but to come to Bible school. But when they get here, I think one thing they should see is not that the exciting music, all that, not just that. They should look around and say, hey, these adults are happy. These adults are enjoying this. They're having a good time serving Jesus, and we should do that. We should know, show to our children that it's satisfying to serve the Lord. Psalm 107, verse, verse 9 says, For he satisfied the longing soul and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. He satisfieth the longing soul. Are you satisfied in being a Christian? You should be. Let's just make sure that our kids know that. And, and let's desire for them that they have a good life, a satisfying life, a life that brings pleasure and joy to them that only God can bring. Then I'd like to bring this to a, conclu- a conclusion and give one last point. And that is, a godly father should desire the right spouse for his children. The right spouse for his children. A godly father will desire that his children marry right. He knows that God has a plan for marriage. We're told that in Ephesians chapter 5. God says there's uh, a plan for the home, and that is that the, the wife is to be in submission to the husband, and the husband is to love his wife. So much so, just like Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, so the husband would love his wife. Love his wife like he loves himself. I mean, he wants the best for himself. He doesn't want to hurt, and so he he does what's necessary so he won't hurt. And and we are to treat our wife that way. We want her to be uh, protected, and we want her to enjoy life. And the Lord says, godly fathers should understand what a home should be. And a godly father should desire that his children marry right. A godly father knows the danger of an unequal yoke. As we mentioned a while ago, 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. That's true in marriage. Young person, if you're thinking about marriage, the first thing you should say is, my spouse-to-be has to be a Christian but much more than that. It's one thing for a young man or young lady to say, oh, I'm a Christian. I can tell you when I got saved. Well, I can, I've had a lot of people tell me when they got saved, but they live like the devil. It's not enough that they just have that, that testimony. They say, this happened to me. You can see it in their life. And if you're discerning and you get past, oh, he's, he's cute or he's cool, or she's so pretty. If you can get past that and realize that, no, there's more than that. Uh, beauty is skin deep, and I know that's real important. <laughs> uh, it's real important, and, uh, but it's not near as important as what's underneath. And that is, there need to be that beauty of the Spirit. And you'll know something about the young man when you're around his, he and his parents, and you find that he treats his parents with disrespect. You notice something about that young man, whether he wants to go to church or he just agrees to go to church with you. You know something about that young man when you sense in him that he loves Jesus just like you love Jesus. You see, a godly parent will want his children to marry right. They'll want his chil- their children to experience that joy of the Lord 
that kindred spirit of a, of a husband and a wife that both love Jesus and want to please him. If you don't do that, if you don't marry right, you're going to have problems down the road. And I'll guarantee it. I've said it before, just recently I said it. If you marry one of the devil's children, you're going to have trouble with your father-in-law because the devil is out to destroy that marriage. And he'll do all he can. Why? Because you're a Christian. And he wants to mess you up because you represent Jesus. So be careful. And a godly father will want his children to marry right, so they'll want, he'll want the right spouse for his child. But then I said conclusion, but I want to add one more thing. And that is a godly father will desire, want, desire the smile of his Lord. He'll want the smile of his Lord. If you are a father who loves the Lord Jesus Christ, you know that God gave you that role as a father. And it's your responsibility to be a good father. And being a good father just doesn't happen. It must be planned for and worked out. And it will all start with your desire. You desire sunshine for your wife. You desire salvation for your children. You desire sanctification for your children. You desire service for your children. You desire satisfaction of your children. And you desire the the spouse that God would have for your children. And when you desire all those things, I believe the result will be the Lord will look from heaven and he will smile. And the Lord will say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. After it's all said and done, what will mean more than anything else is not just what your kids say about you, but what your Lord says about you. Because someday when we get to heaven, the family structure will be gone. It'll just be the family of God. It won't be the McGuffey family and the Stevens family or the Duvall family or, or the Blanton family or the rest of you. It won't be just that. It'll be we're all children of God. And my wife is just, will be there just my sister in the Lord. We won't set up housekeeping in a, cor- in a cabin in the corner of glory land. <laughs> no marriage in heaven. But there will be that relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And what will mean more than anything else is when our Lord smiles and says, well done, good and faithful dad. Well done, good and faithful mom. Well done, good and faithful teenager, because maybe when Jesus comes back, you never got to adulthood. Maybe you only got to a teen or a, young, a younger person, and the Lord came back, and you're at home, and you can't live anymore on this life, and it's all over down here, but just began up there. And you, you will be so glad that you have the smile of your father up there who says, well done, teenager. Well done, child. That's going to be more than anything else, the smile of our Lord. I believe this is true. When you do right and Satan gets mad, then know for sure that God is glad. But let's close today by going back to the concept of, of a dad and his children. I found this. I thought it was good. The kind of dad to buy. If I went shopping for a dad, here is what I'd buy. One who would always stop to answer a little boy's why. One who would always speak kindly to a little girl or boy. One who would give to others a bit of sunshine and joy. I pick a dad that followed the Bible's golden rule and one who went regularly to church and Sunday school. I'd buy the very finest dad to place on our family tree 
and then I'd try to live like him so he'd be proud of me. I texted my boys this morning and my son-in-law, and I told them we loved them. I signed it, Dad and Mom, and I said to them, we're proud of the dads you've become, and we are. But will our kids always say they're proud of us? I hope they will. And then I'd like to read this in closing, in his daddy's steps. I watched him playing around my door, my neighbor's little boy of four. I wondered why a child would choose to wear my dad's old worn-out shoes. I saw him try with all his might to make the laces snug and tight. I smiled to see him walk, and then he'd only step right out again. I heard him say, his voice so glad, I want to be just like my dad. I hope his dad his steps would choose, safe for his son to wear his shoes. And then a shout and a cry for joy, a hello, dad, and a hiya, boy. They'd walk along in measured stride, each face aglow with love and pride. What have you done today, my lad? I tried to wear your old shoes, Dad. They're big, but when I'm a man, I'll wear your shoes. I know I can. They stopped and stood there hand in hand. He saw his son's tracks in the sand. His words of prayer come back to me. Lord, let my steps lead him to thee. Let's pray. Father, thank you today for the wonderful privilege of being a dad. And Lord, I know that you're a dad to us. You're our father. And you look down and you are pleased when you see us trying to follow your steps. And I pray that we always would. I pray for every dad today, Lord. We come from different backgrounds. Different things have happened in our lives. We face different challenges. But one thing we have in common, we're dads. And others look up to us, either the little ones or those who've grown. They look up to us. And I pray that we'll not disappoint them. But Lord, we pray also, more than that, that we'll not disappoint you. Thank you for loving us. And I pray, Lord, if there's anyone here who has never trusted Jesus as their Savior, they would realize that you love them so much that you sent your son Jesus to, to this earth to become a man so he could take our place and die in our, our place, die in our stead on the cross of Calvary. And he took your wrath upon himself that we deserve. He paid for our sins so that we could escape the punishment. And then he died, and they put him in the tomb, and the three days later, Lord, I thank you that Jesus rose from the grave. As proof that it was all paid, that salvation was paid for and available to anyone who will receive it. And if there's one here today, Lord, who's never received Jesus, I pray that today they would put their trust in him. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.